0: The Coffee with the Snows, where we talk about everything from the Bible to current events, but always flavored with high octane caffeine and biblical thoughts. I'm your host, Art Snow, along with my co-host and beautiful wife, Sharon Snow. We begin every broadcast with me describing one of the mugs from my collection, because every mug in my collection has a story attached to it. Today, my mug is a white porcelain mug and emblazoned on the front of the mug in black says kingside diner and on top of kingside diner is the top of a chess piece the king of a chess piece well this actually is from one of my favorite diners in st louis missouri and the whole theme of the diner is chess everywhere you look there's chess pieces and chess pictures and the reason i like this is because i love chess i've not played in a while but chess is one of those great games where you should to be a good chess player you have to think six moves ahead and sometimes life is just like that you have to think six moves ahead to be ahead of your opponent so today i'm drinking good black coffee from a kingside diner mug sharon how are you i'm good how are you you're looking good i'm telling you why thank you but this is a pretty difficult talk topic for us to talk about um over the years we've dealt with some pain in this issue and the good news is we've walked through all the pain and come out with a happy story. So, infertility, that's the topic of this episode. Sharon, would you like to start us out? Sure. Infertility is not an uncommon topic.
1: Uh, there are lots and lots of people who struggle with that. And I i think that it seems to me anyway that there are more and more people struggling with infertility of some kind. Um. We started our journey with infertility really before we were married because I knew that I would probably have difficulty uh, at least conceiving a child. We had no idea that we'd have difficulty carrying a child, but we knew that I knew that I would have difficulty conceiving, but never thought it would be quite as difficult as it turned out to be.
0: That's true. You knew going into our marriage, that could be a possibility. And then after we had gone through not being able to conceive, um, I had all the male testing, right? And to be full disclosure here, I came home excited with my sperm count, which was 5,000. I was so pumped. I'm thinking, what a man am I? And then what did you say to me? I said, well,
1: the average is about 2
0: million. <laughs> <laughs> so much for the manhood down the drain. Well, we were married. How many years before we started trying to have children?
1: About one year. I, I really didn't want to get pregnant. I wanted to give us one year of marriage just to have fun.
0: Right. <laughs> okay. So then after the one year, then we started trying. And How long was it from the time we started trying to the, t- the time we just knew that something was really not happening here?
1: Oh, probably six months to a year. I, I think we went into it knowing that um, because I knew that there was going to be difficulty. We didn't wait perhaps as long as other couples uh, to seek out an infertility specialist. Right.
0: So uh, what did we do next after realizing we are unable to bear children biologically?
1: Well, we sat down and we had a talk because... Uh, in vitro fertilization was that was just beginning; it was kind of new on the horizon when we were at that juncture of our relationship about close to forty years ago, and um, so we we talked about whether or not that would be a possibility for us, and as we prayed it through and as we talked it through, neither one of us felt very comfortable with that pathway for us personally. And so we just simply didn't approach that uh, because both of us, neither one of us had any problem with adopting a child. So we were poor. So number one, the cost would have been absolutely prohibitive for us. I don't think we could have afforded any kind of in vitro fertilization. And so we just chose to go the route of adoption
0: which we were very happy with and looking back really happy with right we've adopted three children over the years in three different states and it's been a delightful experience for us so we would certainly say to anybody here who is considering adoption for us it was a phenomenal thing so in fact i've always said if christian families every christian family would to adopt one child we would empty the roles of the welfare system and in the you know where all the waiting children so that's my plug for adoption so now let's go back to infertility and sort of how we navigated those first difficult years
1: well because of my particular infertility issues i would sometimes on more than one occasion have a false positive pregnancy test so there were multiple times when I thought I was pregnant and turned out not to be, and that was coupled with the fact that my my periods were very irregular. So to not have a period for three or four months, followed by a positive pregnancy test, well, you just think you're going to have a baby, and then you only find out that, no, your body just simply doesn't function the way it's meant to function, and so there was some pretty pretty distressful times at thinking you're pregnant find out finding out you're not and then feeling a sense of loss but not being able to grieve because if you have a miscarriage at least you can grieve or you can uh, have hope in a child that you'll see someday but when it's just a false positive pregnancy test and then you start your period you could be sad all you want, but there's That's nothing true. to grieve for other than hope or, or an
0: idea, you know. So men and women approach this subject oftentimes very differently. So from a woman's perspective, and I'll let you speak to this, but many women feel like they're not really a woman if they can't bear a child. Some men feel like they're not really a man unless they can have a child with their, with their spouse. So you and I handled this a little bit different from one another. Tell me how you felt like before we were able to conceive or adopt children, like when Mother's Day would come around or somebody in the church would get pregnant. Mother's Day didn't really bother me. That, that wasn't an issue
1: for me. The issue for me was, um, and honestly, just in total transparency, it was a pretty self-righteous you know, issue <laughs> on my part. When I would see unmarried people just simply want to have a baby just desire to have a baby and go out and get and get pregnant i i took great issue with that and that that was very very difficult for me because i remember praying in our kitchen in maslin one time and just saying to the lord you know i serve you every day And just looking back I, <laughs> You know, I'm kind of embarrassed at how self-righteous that was. But that was my attitude at the time. You know, I serve you every day. I was a virgin when I got married. I held myself. And now this girl just goes out and sleeps with anybody and gets pregnant. And in my mind, I had a real confusion between justice and fairness. And I've, I've learned since then that God is not fair. God is just but he's not fair. And so lots of things that we perceive as unfair happen and God is still okay
0: with them. One of the things I appreciate, you just said that about being young and immature, and you were vulnerable about sharing that. And I think for me, that's one of the highest values of this podcast is the fact that we've been, uh, we're a little older now and pretty mature. And um, how would you say, what's another kind word for old? Um, Seasoned. That's it. Seasoned. There you go. And so we can afford just to be open and and honest and vulnerable here. That's a high value. So our journey of infertility lasted 25 years, right? 25 years. That's really crazy, unusual for most couples. So some couples have uh, infertility journey that is like 18 months or five years ours lasted 25 years until we finally biologically had a child so t- let's talk about that you know sometimes they're smaller sometimes they're longer in in endurance
1: well that that is correct and and there's infertility for the initial pregnancy then there's something that they're now labeling as secondary infertility when you have difficulty getting pregnant the second time. Uh, for us, our quote-unquote infertility probably ended maybe 14, 15 years into our marriage when I got pregnant and then subsequently lost a, a child. So I was no longer quote-unquote infertile because I had conceived a child. Um, And then, oh, I don't know, maybe seven years after that, conceived again, lost uh, a set of twins. And so then there became not only the infertility issue, the conception issue, but there then became the issue of carrying a child to term, which is not really considered infertility, but it's a strain on a marriage and on, on people in general. You know, it's, there's a, a, a sadness that comes when That's right. That's right. you do conceive and then you don't carry to term. And so we struggled with that a little bit. And then of course uh, we, we got pregnant totally with no help whatsoever and, and absolutely just simply by a, a miraculous act of the Lord. I mean, um, we weren't trying to get pregnant. We That boat had already sailed. We'd already adopted Emily and Danielle, and we were happy. We weren't really looking for any more children. And, um, you know, getting pregnant with Kate was just a shock. I remember uh, taking a test and thinking, I don't know why I'm taking this test because these never work for me. And I was so inexperienced that I didn't even uh, know to flip it over. So I was looking <laughs> at the back of the test and I thought I'm so inept that I can't even get it to flash pink because the instructions said it would flash pink before the the final answer came out. And so I, I remember just sitting on the in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet and saying, uh, you know, my body can't even work even right in this simple little thing And I tossed the pregnancy test over my shoulder into the wastebasket. And as it went past my face, it flipped over and I saw the two
0: lines. (laughs) Okay. Well, in a time remaining in our podcast, I like to do two things. Number one, I like to talk about advice that we might give to couples that are struggling with infertility. And then I think I'd like to close the broadcast today by telling the story of the clerk at the Plaza Hotel. Oh, that would be a good story to end with. So let's begin with advice we could give to couples that are struggling with infertility.
1: Well, I think first and foremost, you have to be on the same page as a couple. Because early on in our infertility struggle, we were not on the same page. That's correct. We were not. You really were so focused on ministry and what God had called you to do that children really weren't anywhere on your horizon and so the desire to have a child was actually mine and mine alone and so we had some conflict uh, even as we entered into adopting uh, our first child because you didn't you were you were willing to adopt her to appease me so i would stop complaining about not being a mom And then you thought I'd probably leave you alone and you could go on and do ministry (laughs) because I would have something to occupy my time. And I'm, I'm grateful and I'm really, really thankful that, um, that once you saw Emily's face, that your whole attitude changed and it was no longer about, you know, yeah, I'll give you whatever you want. Don't ask me for anything else. It was no longer about that. It was about, wow, we have this great gift right. from the Lord. And so I think first and foremost, uh, a couple has to be on the same page because if one couple desires it, one person in the couple <laughs> desires it more than the other person, then there can be a disconnect. And the person who is sad doesn't feel comforted. And the person who doesn't care feels irritated that the subject keeps coming up.
0: Okay. That's good. Uh, at some point, I can remember taking our temperature all the time, you taking your temperature, and then the doctor's telling us the right time to make love to conceive. And I can recall that almost being mechanical. You know, it's, it was nothing. It kind of lost the spontaneity of making love to your spouse. It then became, okay, hurry up quick. Let's do it now because we have a 15-minute window to make this happen. So kind of talk to us about that.
1: Well, the, it is. It is. it does become mechanical. It, it does become... Uh, not an outflow of loving one another, it becomes an end to a means or a means to an end. And, you know, uh, I mean, sex is sex, so it's always good, but th- that's no way to run a, a relationship. And that puts a strain on a couple, especially if it, the end result isn't conception. Because now the person who wants the child feels doubly sad and the person who either doesn't want the child or who maybe doesn't have the infertility issue that the other one has, they can start to feel used. And like, you know, you don't love me except when the temperature says it's right or when the day on the calendar says it's right. And that can put a really, a really bad strain on a marriage.
0: There are a lot more options today for couples than there were when we were struggling. Um, so you know we have a lot of more medical opportunities to help couples along, and but more
1: I, insurances are paying. <laughs>
0: exactly, very important because more insurances are paying for them. But I, I can only think that um, looking back on our our time together, a our walk with God certainly helped us walk through those difficult seasons. So spiritually being on the same page is equally as important as being on the same page with agreement on what test you're running and things like that. So. Okay, well, let's kind of close this podcast today by you telling this great story about going to the Plaza Hotel and uh, on our 25th wedding anniversary with a baby in arms.
1: Well, not very many people take a infant to their 25th wedding anniversary, <laughs> but we did, and uh, you had very delightfully arranged for us to have a room at the Plaza Hotel in New York, which was someplace that I'd always... Kind of dreamed of staying. I just thought it would be fun. And so we went with the baby, and she asked the clerk who was checking us in, uh, asked us if we were here for a special occasion. And you said, Yes, it's our 25th wedding anniversary. And she kind of looked over and saw the baby and said, A baby? And so we said, Well, you know, she's very tiny and she's nursing, so we couldn't leave her home. And So I just felt prompted to tell her the story about, you know, us not being able to have a baby and then (laughs) showing up with a baby on our anniversary. And um, she began to cry and she shared that she was in her 40s, early 40s, not nearly as old as I was, but she was in her early 40s. And she had thought that it was too late for her to even hope to have a child again and um, so I asked if I could pray for her. And so we we prayed for her. And then she snatched the key away from you and said, this room is not good enough for you. And so she gave you another key and we began talking to her again. And we ended up praying for her again, I believe. And she snatched that second key away from you. And we ended up uh, getting to stay in one of the rooms that they filmed Home Alone in Home Alone 2 in for the same price that we would have paid <laughs> for a room that we could have afforded on like a Groupon or something. So it was an amazing opportunity to use our story of struggle to actually pray for and I I don't know what happened to that lady but I I hope that God blessed her and she became pregnant and her child is a living testimony of an answer to a prayer that we prayed for her.
0: That tells me that there's no struggle that's wasted. It's true. Right. Every struggle you have in life, God uses as an opportunity for somebody else as well. So I believe that our infertility really helped others as well. And I, In my mind's eye, I see this clerk um, having a child that's probably 14, 15 years old right now. And she's a happy mom going to meetings at the PTA. Yeah, so. baseball, <laughs> soccer, all <laughs> exactly that stuff. Exactly right. Well, it appears the coffee cup is empty, Sharon. So that's my cue to closest broadcast for today. Until we meet again, keep your coffee strong and your walk with God stronger.